We are absolute nerds about words. We like rearranging them, adding and subtracting them from sentences, and learning new ones. That's why in 2020, when our agency launched the inaugural Word of the Year, we challenged ourselves to identify one word to describe what had turned into the most unconventional year in modern memory. To get to our one word, we went to people who were generally of many words, fellow comms professionals, and we asked them to narrow their experience down to a single word. In the end, Pivot and Unprecedented rose to the top and ended up sharing billing as our word of the year. The exercise sparked great discussion amongst comms pros near and far, which made us eager to continue our exploration. That's why this fall, our agency once again asked some of our clients, colleagues, and friends, what's one word or phrase that they would use to define 2021? And they delivered. Linda Descano, an executive vice president of Red Havas, led this effort and will be guiding our roundtable conversation today. So, Linda, drum roll please. What is the Red Havas word of the year for 2021? Well, Nancy, and thank you for the drum roll. The Red Havas 2021 word of the year is adapt. Why adapt? Well, it was the dominant theme in the submissions we received from around the world. It really captured to us the many ways we've had to adapt over the past 18 months at work, at home, in school, with our healthcare, and within the context of our social interactions, and the list can go on. We've also had to adapt in response to different virus variants, to the highs and lows of our personal lives, to having long COVID, and even to a vaccine debate that isn't going away anytime soon. And of course, for organizations, the phrase adapt or die has never been more apt than in 2021, as many organizations had to evolve in ways big and small, right? To meet the needs of their customers, the consumers, and the communities that they serve. And as you might expect, when you're asking a group of word lovers to choose a word of the year, um, ADAPT was the clear winner, but we did get lots of you know, different submissions and they revolved around a couple of themes some that reinforce the ways we are changing, how we are seeing our way through the pandemic, what emotions we're feeling, and of course, you know, which new word we've incorporated into our daily lexicon, all of which we will be discussing in today's episode with our guest, Dino Delich, who's the Director of Insights and Analytics for Meltwater, and our very own CEO of Red Havas, James Wright, who also serves as the global chair of the Havas PR Global Collective. Welcome Dino and James, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here, Linda. So as you heard on our pre-call, the Red Havas word of the year for 2021 is adapt. A close cousin, if you will, of our 2020 co-words of the year, pivot and resilience. So James, you had an opportunity to read through many of the submissions we received this year. So it's like, did this surprise you? What was your gut reaction to, you know, um, all of the, the words that came through? Thanks, Linda. Yeah, no, I think ADAPT um, and all its sort of uh, different kind of use, usabilities of, of, you know, adaptive, adaptability um, is 
it's very much apt, I think, for 2021. I think, you know, sort of 2020, we, we kind of were dealing with so much uh, that was happening and, and we're kind of, we were adapting at that stage. I think we've been more strategic about how we've adapted in 2021, whether that's been in terms of business, getting back to, uh, to retail, to our social lives, getting back into the office at different times, getting back to traveling. Every single part of our life has adapted in some way, shape or form. And I think, you know, there's, there's an old kind of adage, which is, you know, adapt or die. And I think that's what has happened to a lot of uh, businesses. They've really had to uh, embrace change, em, em, embrace tra transformation. And that transformation is going to be, you know, for many here to stay, whether that's in terms of um, the different protocols we've got to have now going into uh, shopping centers or bars or restaurants, or indeed into, um, into the office or any kind of workplace, as well as, you know, how we operate uh, at home and in social circles. Uh, but, you know, there's lots of fun words as well that, 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 that came through. And, uh, but a lot of them, though, did relate to, um, to adapt, which, you know, um, we saw words like perseverance, like uh, agility, like pivoting. Um, so, you know, th there was a lot of very much sort of similar, you know, words that were used by, you know, a lot of colleagues, clients and uh, suppliers and journalists that, that, that we had submit their words. Yeah, and I think my favorite submission was from our dear friend, Brandy Boatner um, at IBM, who said her word of the year was Corona Coaster. And she explained, the word applies to both my personal and professional life. Some days were good, some days were bad. It was a constant roller coaster of emotions. However, she felt she was stronger, wiser, and more focused thanks to her time on the wild ride that is the Corona Coaster. So definitely an A plus for originality. Well, that was an excellent one, uh, uh, Linda. So I used to add to that, which was, um, but, and, and I think also speaks to, you know, adapt, adaptability and adaption, which is where, you know, the Corona Coaster was, the things opened and they closed. There was rules that were true one day and changed the next. Uh, and then, you know, all through that, you have the emotional kind of roller coaster yourself too. Right, which we saw in some people who, you know, in bringing emotions to the forefront, we had everything from devastated and hopeless to connected and hopeful. What, what I found interesting too is we had very few submissions that were in the lexicon of our new era. Like I thought we would get more submissions around Delta or even vaccine canceled hybrid. And we they, they really didn't dominate um, the submission. So I have to ask both of you, what was your personal word of the year? Dino, tell us. Uh, I would say mine is sustainability, but it's not in the traditional sense that we've all come to, to be familiar with of, you know, how are we taking care of mother nature and even things like diversity and inclusion coming into it. I think companies have really ramped up their messaging and communication and their stance and policies around sustainability. But for me, the word sustainability is connected to a lot of the words that came up, which is how long can we keep doing this? And sustainability is the ability to keep doing what you're doing and continue to be successful. That's what sustainability for me is about. And it's not just about, you know, taking care of the environment, but it, it really, it's been an incredible year for, for that topic. And there's still a lot of lessons to be learned there. So personal growth, how you thrive, you know, in this constant sea of change in a way. Yeah. How um, long can you keep adapting? How much right. can you take? Is it is it a skill that can be learned and strengthened? Or is it a finite resource 
that needs to be repleted or is it, yeah, it's, it's something that I continuously think about because we've all, as James summarized, we've all had to experience it on a personal level. I've had to be an adaptable father and an employer and an employee and a brother and a husband. We've all had to adapt. And there's been times where that's been pushed to the limits. So is this what it's going to be like forever? Or are we going to go back to some sort of normalcy? That, that's the interesting part. And that's where sustainability comes into it for me. Yeah, no, it's such a good point because we think very often there might be one facet of our, our life that changes at a time. But you make such a good point with, as a result of the pandemic, every aspect of our life was upturned, right? How we work, how we, you know, learn, how we engage, you know, with medical providers, how we interact with our family. And so your entire world, you know, was, was turned upside down a number of times. And it's had such a ripple effect on, you know, everything that we quote unquote thought was, was normal. And I don't want to lose the thread on sustainability from a business standpoint. So I want to put a pin in that and come back to it after we hear from James about his word of the year. Yeah, my word of the year was freedom. And it's something I've thought a lot about over the last sort of 18 to 20 months, and particularly this year as we, we kind of look to, to sort of get out of um, the sort of cycle of, of, of being in lockdown through 2020. Um, and it, because freedom became a question, and it became a question not just um, around the pandemic and what you could and couldn't do, whether you could go into work, whether you could go to businesses, whether you could travel, you know, all the different rules, but also, you know, what freedom meant in the, the political world that we were, were living in at that time, and then what freedom meant and questioning freedom around um, equity and, and equality. And so that really became something that really provoked a lot of thoughts for myself, you know, being far away from family at different times and not being able to, to see them, being able to access them. Um, you know, freedom around vaccines as well, you know, uh, if you aren't the whole discussion around vaccine passports and mandating vaccines. And it came up in, in so many different facets. And so for me, that was my word of the year and that was my submission because it it's led to me to, to really question that. It's something that we've taken for granted for so long that this last 18 to 20 months, freedom suddenly became sort of um, very real as a, as a question. And it, it was always something that you, you, you learn about freedom that was in you know, Netflix documentaries and, and, and Hollywood movies, but now it was a reality that suddenly your freedom, or in, in, in countries where you, know, you, wouldn't ex you, you, you um, perhaps haven't, uh, haven't experienced, haven't traveled to, and, and you only see on news programming, but suddenly it was happening to us you know, in the United States, in Western Europe, in the countries where you least expected freedom to be questioned. So that was, for me, my word of the year. Just to piggyback off that, because I didn't think about it that way, but freedom is all about choice, right? And a lot of choices were taken away from us or made for us. So yeah, we, we went through a lot and freedom definitely was uh, top of everyone's mind in one way or another. My word of the year was was grace. And for me, I think coming out of 2020 and seeing the impact of presidential politics and the polarizing views on the vaccine had such an impact on me and watching my whole family, how dialogue was not happening. And there was so much distance and so much like negativity. And so I think for I was so influenced by how do you forge connections? How do you foster empathy? How do you listen like with an open mind and an open heart? And so for me, it became how do I practice grace 
and try to create like a ripple effect that hopefully sparks, you know, a better community, a better world, just like more conversation and less distrust. So we each, you know, it's interesting to look at the the different impacts, but yet they're all very, very interrelated. Of course, others around the world uh, come up with their word of the year, everyone from the Oxford Dictionary to Merriam-Webster. I think Germany every year announces a youth word of the year. Um, and it was really interesting to see them range from Cambridge Dictionary sort of talked about perseverance, um, Merriam-Webster selected vaccine. James, you have to talk to us about the Australian National Dictionary Center's choice of stroll out. And then, um, you know, it, it was just fascinating to see the, the differences. I think the Germany Youth Word of the Year was cringe. So can you break that down a little bit for us, James? It, it's, I mean, the, the Oxford English Dictionary and the Merriam-Webster uh, both came up with vax or vaccine, uh, which, you know, made a lot of sense. It was of course, the major rollout of the of the vaccine happened in, in 2021. So it's uh, it wasn't a huge surprise there uh, that that's happened. Um, the Australian word of the year, which was stroll out, was quite interesting. Just uh, about sort of the um, the slow rollout of the vaccine that um, has certainly sped up incredibly so in the last few months. I mean, they were. Uh, the country hadn't really rolled out any kind of vaccine in the first half of 2021. And, and suddenly in the second half, they've gone from uh, almost, you know, sort of single digits all the way through to, to 96, 97% in their biggest state, New South Wales, for example. You know, they're at, uh, I think, 97% first dose, 95% as of, you know, right now in the middle of December, which is an incredible sort of statistic. But um, the fact that they took so long to get there uh, their rollout started was was interesting. So anyway, that's a that's a fun word, I think, um, and and one that I think will be used in a lot of other circles uh, beyond um, uh, the vaccinations. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the Aussies love uh, a good a good pun on words. You know, Dino. You know, Meltwater spends so much of of your time helping brands make decisions based on mining insights from external data. So I'm we're so curious. How did our results compare with the analysis that you've been doing at Meltwater on trending topics and themes? Well, anecdotally, for a second, the amount of time and energy that we have spent with clients. Uh, analyzing current trends is an indication of that adaptability that you're talking about. I think there's a lot of information, studies, opinions, and there's a lot of experts out there. This, and this may be a, a bit of a hot take or a personal opinion of mine, but this is, as we heard a lot last year, it's an unprecedented time. I don't think anyone really can be an expert in what's going on, but I think the the people that are doing the best or weathering the storm, the best are the ones that are being more adaptable. And so that's obviously the role that we play with our clients is we help them navigate all of this noise, all of this data, all of these people to pretending to be experts and have all the answers and then figuring out the meaning behind what's happening. And the dust is maybe settling a little bit from 2020. 2021 is perhaps, you know, we don't have the game stops and the uh, BLM uh, riots and those sorts of things. But there's been so much still happening, especially with the rollout of vaccines, especially with companies making more sustainability pledges. That personally has been what we've been working on the most. 
is helping companies navigate through sustainability, what their mes messaging should be, what their pledges should be, should they pledge or not, uh, who cares about it. And, you know, going back to your findings about adaptability, what we've learned is that no one has the answers, but the, the companies and the brands that are doing the best with what they've got are the ones that, that are doing the best. So we've seen all, all kinds of things like people trying to leverage surveys and other types of data to try to figure out what they need to do and what they can do. But everything is just moving at such a fast pace. There is so much data out there. And just the minute that you come to some sort of conclusion, something else happens and it keeps changing. And so that that requires that agility. You know, last year when when we had this conversation with you, I think purpose, right, was yeah. sort of the, the trending topic. And this year, it it really, as we discussed on our pre-call, it's it's really sustainability has overtaken purpose, you know, and and broadened out. And even within sustainability, we're seeing ESG being very pronounced as one of the, the pillars, and not just about the environmental component, but the S and the ESG how are brands sort of living their purpose and moving beyond pledges to tangible progress, which is you know, something, James, you have also written about and spoken about very extensively. Um, but you're right, it is a, a shifting goalpost, if you will, for brands because the conversations, the expectations are ever in flux. And it almost requires, it's an always on, approach to monitoring and analyzing the issues rather than just saying oh, we've got this That's now right. we have our we have our policy we can move on so james is is you know we think about the fluidity and how dynamic the the landscape is around some of these issues would love to you know what advice would you offer to brand marketers and communicators how do you navigate in this space I think it's hard for uh, brands to know sometimes where the line is because there's an expectation now that, that almost every brand and every CEO has a point of view on almost everything that's happening in the world right now. And that's been a marked shift. And I think a lot of that has been driven by employees, internal audiences who are looking for guidance from businesses. I, I actually think it was it was businesses that really stepped up to the plate at the beginning of the pandemic to deliver consistent information around how to stay healthy during the pandemic it was there was a lot of there was a lot of conflicting messages coming out of government um, out of media around um, you know whether it was face masks social distancing and otherwise and, and you know a lot of a lot of businesses gave up their uh, own channels their social channels to deliver those messages it was it was there that that people turned to their employers to to, to, to understand what was happening and what they needed to do. Um, obviously, everyone pivoted into a lot. A lot of businesses pivoted to working from home or bringing in new protocols for those that are that are frontline workers. But um, you know, I think you've got to be very close to your own values and understand your own values and find the best way to to live that. I, I, I was asked uh, by a couple of um, of our clients around this in the past around you know should we have a point of view on this or that, and I, I would say that. You know, have a look at your internal audiences and look into yourself. You know, does it feel like this is something that you would be proud to have a point of view on? Do you feel it's going to empower your employees that you have a point of view on this? And is it right? And does it align with your values? You know, if you're a healthcare business, it's absolutely right that you would have a you would have a point of view on vaccines right now if you're in if you're in healthcare. But do you, you know does that mean you've got a point of view on on abortion? 
So, um, you know, and, and a lot of businesses have come out in support of, of abortions, for example, with what's happened in Texas and, and elsewhere now. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge that every organization has to have. And, you know, we've had discussions, Linda, you and I have spoken to big retailers who've got the problem around the vaccine mandate, where a lot of businesses have come out and mandated vaccines, but for some retailers who have huge footprints, it's very hard for them to continue uh, from a business continuity perspective to mandate it in every state in every town when you're you know when you've got a thousand plus retail stores across the United States it's very hard to be able to do that if you want to continue as you were in terms of the staffing so it's different for every organization you've got to find your own way through it but um, I think doing what you feel is right for the values of the organization doing what you feel is right as a, as a leader is, is, is critical and because for right now it's it's your you're earning your Spears as a, as a CEO or as a, as a C-suite person, it, you know, right now is the time to lead, and that's what the expectation is. And, and rather than not making decisions, I think the time now is to make decisions around who you are and where you want to go as an organization. And I think you brought up a good point, James. Too, as Stephen Covey would say, "Begin with the end in mind," and that is before you make a bold pledge to really understand how would you also operationalize it, how would you measure your progress against that, especially if you have a very large footprint and perhaps a decentralized organization, whether it's across multiple states or multiple countries, so that you could be authentic and trustworthy when you are then talking about the issue. And I think the time is to almost lead with some restraint and really be understand like, you know, your business, you have your pulse on your employees you know your strength and understand where you are on a particular issue and how you're going to meet your targets and not just signing up for something because it's a popular thing to do, but that you could really back it up with data. Just sorry to piggyback off that. The purpose index that we worked on, that was driven very much by growth in the voice of the customer. Would you guys agree? Like last year was people voted with their wallets, they picked which companies they were gonna uh, you know, stick with and what, what they were gonna, what establishments they could frequent, so on and so forth. And it was very much driven, I think companies reacted to what the customers wanted. And now I think the stakeholder group has widened even further. Employees have always had a say, but with unemployment rates where they are, at least in the US, and with the necessity of business continuity, also forcing companies to think about how they treat their employees, what they do with work from home, that has, I think that's what's also driving many other conversations now. And so I wrote down what you said, James, stick to your values. I think the big question now becomes, and related to authenticity is, well, where does a, a company's values, where do they come from? Is it just the CEO's personal belief? like uh, you know, Salesforce and, and Mark Benioff, who he obviously feels strongly about his things. And so Salesforce obviously goes hand in hand with what, a lot of what he believes. But other companies who don't have a particular stance on something, are they being driven by what the customers want? Are they being driven by what their employees want? There's so many other stakeholders. And I think that's what's uh, creating a much bigger challenge this year is that you really have to figure out how to manage all of these different expectations and needs. I couldn't agree more. And I think the the shift in power to employees has been palpable over the past year. Right? They are now a stakeholder audience and being treated, I think, and viewed with the same level of authority and importance that are normally assigned to quote unquote external stakeholders and customers. I think that's a, a great point, um, Dino. And we've all seen examples of employees that are the first to cheer their company for 
doing the right thing, but also to raise their hand if a company's words and their actions are not in sync and there's a gap between it. So it is something that companies have to pay attention to. Um, But also, I think to a point, James, you made about just employee well-being and, and this sense of of burnout and mental fitness. And, and, and Dino, you raised it earlier too about how long can we sustain, right, this level of disruption in, in our lives and we're pivoting from, you know, we're, we're work, some of us are working from home, then we're back in the office, our children are at school, but then they're back at home. There's a lot of dynamics and it, it's going to require rethinking of the employer-employee contract. James, I don't know if you have uh, anything that you'd like to to add to that. I think it's how the importance of values, I think, is also kind of the expectations around them have changed. They're no longer just words on a page and you then produce a report at the end of the year and show how you've lived your values. It's actually a much more of a, a lateral vision around your role in society and how those values come to life. Um, you know, we've discussed in the past, and I think you mentioned at the top of the podcast around, you know, like the S and ESG kind of becoming more and more important. You know, we've become very used to having metrics around the environmental uh, impacts of organizations. You know, we've got certain calculations and we can compare our calculation against others in the industry. But actually, the social metrics around your social impact as an organization is much harder to measure and certainly measure it in a comparative way to other organizations. And I think, you know, we expect in the next sort of year that a lot, there'll be a lot of discussion around how the S becomes elevated in a more sort of sophisticated way to find metrics that can prove the impact of a, an organization on its, on its communities. And you've certainly, I think, seen a lot of that in the last 18 months where a lot of that impact, direct and indirect, is actually really tough to measure, only because we haven't really ever measured it before, but actually know that there's been an impact from a lot of organizations who play, you know, considerable roles, whether that's to do with the pandemic, to do with equity and inclusion uh, and other such means. But I, I think it's it's definitely become more of a, a sophisticated piece. I expect this to be a big discussion topic at Davos in uh, February next year as governments and business start to get more serious about, you know, the, the S in the ESG. Well, and, and to your point, the World Economic Forum has published um, stakeholder capitalism metrics to help, to your point, bring some standardization and comparability to the the S in and ESG, but they they go beyond just the S and cover you know all three pillars. But I agree. I think it will continue to be a, a key area of focus and a key area that employees will look at along with customers in terms of making decisions about who they want to work for, where they're going to put their their money to work, and you know we're seeing it also in investment decisions that are being made. So we could continue this conversation for another another hour or two, I'm sure. But as we bring this podcast episode to a close, I'd like each of you to share perhaps a closing thought as we you know, head into 2022, reflecting on our word of the year, what you've seen over the past year. What advice would you give to a brand marketer, communicator as they think ahead to you know, how to best engage with employees and customers? Dino? My closing remarks or my advice to brands would be, especially in regards to employees, I think we're all feeling it now that companies are facing major decisions around what to do as we hopefully emerge from the pandemic. I know we said this last year as well, but especially with work from home. And I think 
there, there is a, a recent study about the state of remote work showing that employees are, I believe the statistic is nearly 50% of employees would take a 5% pay cut to be able to continue to work from home. But that's, that, just because that's a high number doesn't mean that that is what everybody wants. And the same study also found that there is a healthy spread of people that want to go back to an office and want to stay at home or want to do some sort of hybrid. And companies who are making sweeping statements about something like that may face some backlash in any case because you can't make everybody happy. And the same survey also found that people just want some sort of adaptability or flexibility. So my, I guess, closing remarks would be that brands should really think about their values and be authentic and not just think about the bottom line, especially with what we were talking about with sustainability employees. Yes, there's a stat that says employees are 52, they take 52% less time off when they work from home. I'm sure every CFO would love that, right? They want a productive workforce. But is that sustainable? Is that what's going to give them a competitive advantage? Because the other cliche phrase that we often hear is culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if there's a significant deterioration in your employee culture, that's got to have profound effects on companies, no matter what you do with producing the best product and marketing it in the best way. So that, that's what I would encourage people to think about. Really like that. And I, th I think you bring up such a good point. It really is about, again, it's about flexibility. It's about choice. And it, it, it seems from some of the research we did in our recent white paper, looking at the state of employee engagement, employees really want to like co-create their employee experience based on where they are on their life now and looking for employers that provide that flexibility and allow them to bundle their work life, their home life, their passions in a way that creates a win-win for both sides. I think that's freedom. That's what James was talking that about is. with the ability to choose and, and have control over your choices instead of them being made mm -hmm. for you. So that was, that's why I thought it was a great point that you made, James. All right, James, bring us to a close. I've got a couple of thoughts. This one is around, I guess, from a marketing perspective and, and sort of from, a, I guess, or those that are involved in the internal comms and employee engagement is you know, over communication is, is being crucial in the last um, 18, 20 months. And I think that's, that's something that we should continue with. You know, it, you cannot leave a, a, a communication vacuum out there. You know, it's okay. I think people have got used to, and the word of the year, of course, is adaption is to adapt to things um, that change. And so you can have a plan and you can communicate something that may change in the future, but you've got to communicate. So there is some sense of, of action that, that, that is coming down the line as some decision that's been made or indeed communicating that a decision has yet to be made. And that's fine too. And my other piece of advice is, you know, listen, listen, listen. I think, you know, we've got to find better ways to hear what employees have to say and really then listen and then act on those. And then again, you know, that those, those decisions may change. You know, we've, we've got people back in the office over the last couple of months, but we know it's, we've got to listen to how people are reacting to that and then make changes to our protocols, maybe make changes to the way in which we uh, have people in the office in different ways. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a hybrid situation for a lot of office-based workers in the future. But, you know, what's the right kind of cadence and temperance for, for that to happen? And then for leadership, from my perspective, you know, I apply a lot of, uh, you know, the principle of, of the grand, grandparent principle, which is when you're making big, big decisions right now as a CEO or a C-suite, you know, executive is, you know, when you look back at that decision in 20, 30 years time as a grandparent, would you be, will your grandchildren be proud of the decision that you made? And I think that there's been a lot of decisions, and I think in a good way, that have been made with more of a long-term goal in mind, rather than, you know, 
decisions being made in the short term for short term profitability or for short term uh, or short termism, should I say, uh, just to get through the day. But actually, it's been wonderful to see some of the more visionary CEOs making decisions that will fundamentally affect the future, not as, not just of their brand, but of their industry, whether that's related to climate change, you know, um, equity, whether, whether it's around how they will treat their employees in the future and how they will listen to their employees in the future, how they will stand up to government, how they will stand up to other issues that are important to their communities and to their employees. And I think that that's, you know, that's how I would, I would advise our clients and our um, C-suite clients at the moment. What I find so inspiring about, I think, what you both said is there's, there's to me, real optimism and hope that the perhaps silver lining coming out of the pandemic, the three Ps, the pandemic, the protest, the polarizing politics is, I think, business perhaps has recaptured the potential impact it can have on society and how to use its platform, its voice, its reach, its knowledge to really have a net positive impact. It's not even about net zero, it's about net positive. So I hope that both of you will come back perhaps after the new year and we can continue this discussion and talk about how the businesses are trending on these topics. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for chatting with you. You're very welcome, thank you. Thank you for joining the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas. Please make sure to subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to rate and review today's show. We'd love to hear from you.